weekday from 10 to 1. It's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 606, it is 22 degrees in downtown Boise. We're going to see a lot of sun today. Uh, temperatures warming up from what we've seen over the last couple of days. Headed into the weekend, should be uh, mid-40s, maybe even 50 to 52 on Monday. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah, especially since we have the day off for President's Day, everybody. Oh, yeah. Three-day weekend this weekend. Um, the legislature is in session. And with the legislature being in session, uh, is there any way that they can uh, maybe put together some sort of bill where Boise State does not tip off on basketball games um, and before or after 8 o'clock p.m.? 6, 6.30 at night. <laughs> 8 o'clock a, is just too damn late. That was a late one, wasn't it? Especially when the game is close and you go, well, I wanted to go to bed early tonight, but instead I'll stay up until 10.30 watching uh, the game. I kept thinking, well, they're going to pull away now. Nope, they never no, did pull away. never did. But they, um, but they won. They did win by two, but, you know, the unfortunate part about this thing, and I hope they get this fixed, because I'll tell you what, San Jose State next week really worries me. San Jose State is playing really, really well, and this mm-hmm. game will be at San Jose State, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. I, I think it's at Fran- playing on the road. Difficult, as showed last night. Colorado State is uh, not a good team, yet they kept hanging around, mm-hmm. hanging around. They were hitting their threes. That's the one thing that they did to hang around. They hit a lot of threes, and as a matter of fact, they hit a three uh, to come within one point with like, 20 seconds left mm-hmm. in the game, and then uh, Boise State missed one of their foul shots, so they yeah. only go up by two. And so the, a three would have won it for yeah. them, but then they... Was it partially tipped, or did he just let it go wrong? I, I, I never could figure that out at the end. If you uh, look at it in slow motion, there may have been a little bit of a foul there. Thank goodness Degenhardt didn't <laughs> well, get he, called for the foul. He definitely but, thought so, the uh, the player. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that could have been really, really bad, but, I mean, it was close. Uh, he didn't... It wasn't... You know, something that he, he hit his wrist or anything like that. But, yeah, he, he kind of hit his fa- hand. But, you know, mm-hmm. what what have you always heard well, growing up? The hand hand's part of the ball. ball. There right. you go. We always hear that. So a win is a win, and that gets Boise State uh, to 20 wins again this year. Leon Rice has 10 seasons, at least 10 wow. seasons with 20 wins. That's a, an incredible yeah, hard thing to a, do, and he, he continues to do it year after year. They showed a stat of, of the teams that have uh, – like in the past ten years, that have eight twenty-win seasons, and it's some pretty good company. There's, and of course, there's only like old team, ten, ten. I think there was nine, eight or nine. Yeah. And eight. his old, uh, his old team Gonzaga is in there too. Yeah, so he, very good company when it comes to that. Here's how strong. If you want to know how strong uh, the Mountain West is, four teams right now have twenty or more wins, oh. including Boise State, uh, New Mexico. If they can just find a way to win one more game which is saying a lot considering they've lost five of their last six. Mm-hmm. If they win one more game, they will have 20 wins. That will put five teams in the Mountain West with 20 or more wins. They've lost five of six uh, trying to get to 20 wins. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> they're, they're still 19-7, and seven, which is, is, is pretty darn good. At, at one point earlier in the season, New Mexico looked like they might be the best team in the well, league. I, and weren't, then, weren't they ranked on, like in the top maybe 15 at least in the country? Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, with that win, still doing well. Uh, Boise State in the net ranking. San Diego uh, is in the top 20. Boise State in the top 25. And there are still, um, I believe, four teams in the uh, top 40 of net rankings to get into the 
NCAA tournament. Terrific. Where has the season gone? We're well, only and, a couple and, of weeks away from the Bob, Mountain West Championship. Bob pointed out that uh, you know there are three hundred and some, like three hundred and twenty-five or something teams in Division One, and in the computer rankings, nobody in the Mountain West Conference is ranked uh, outside the top two hundred. And he's, I thought it, I think it was the top one hundred, wasn't it? Um, I'm not sure. I think I think it was. I the thought top he said two hundred. I'll check it out. Yeah, um, because I thought that I thought that was pretty amazing myself when I. Um, you know, heard him say that, mm-hmm. um, but I, I thought he said it was outside the top 100, which is pretty amazing anyway, because, you know, when you get down to those bottom 100 teams, those are some really bad teams, Yeah, right? You've got teams that are like 0 and 19. Yeah. Uh, other things we're going to be talking about today, uh, a lot of movement yesterday in the uh, Idaho legislature, and coming up a little bit later this morning, we have Senate Minority Leader, um, Democratic Senator Melissa Wintrow will be with us of Boise once again. We'll be talking with her. Also, uh, after that, Republican Senator Ben Toos. Is it Toos? I, it? It, I think it's Taves is how that's pronounced. Taves. But, uh, we'll have to ask him because I'm not entirely sure. This is his first term as uh, senator, so we'll uh, get an idea on how to pronounce his name because mm-hmm. that'll be important. Um, but I'm, I'm going with Taves. One of the uh, things that happened yesterday in the Idaho legislature is a vote on uh, something that has been, had a lot of talk so far in this legislative session, and uh, that is the uh, education savings account. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking about that this morning. Um, do you want to see the state of Idaho and the state of Oregon move their border? No. That passed yesterday. House resolution passed to begin talks with Oregon about greater Idaho. Why is this a big thing? Oregon has already passed a resolution to start talking in their legislature about moving. So now you have both legislatures that... Now, this joint resolution passed in the House yesterday, 41 to 28. It heads to the Senate. So it hasn't passed as a resolution. And all this does is start the conversation. Well, and, I, and I don't think it's a done deal simply if the two legislatures pass. No, it's, it's not. But here's, here's the thing. When we started talking about this, what, two years ago that Oregon wanted to do this? We said, ah, oh, nothing's ever going to happen. This is just, you know, folly. Mm-hmm. However, Oregon has now, what, had 11 counties who have voted for it. Now you have the Oregon legislature who has passed a regolu- uh, resolution to officially begin talks to do it. Idaho now has passed the resolution through the House, goes to the Senate to also begin talks. So this thing isn't going away. So it still has a long way to go. When, as you mentioned, it, it would still have to pass both the Oregon legislature and the Idaho legislature, even once they talk about it. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, uh, it would also have to pass Congress. Yeah. Which, uh, my guess is it won't. Hard to say. I, I didn't think we'd get to this point. I didn't think we'd get to the legislature oh, I, I kinda actually, thought we did. actually They're, passing resolutions they have to a, officially begin talks to do it. I mean, both legislatures have a high capacity for wasting a great deal of time. So <laughs> I, I just assumed they would. Well, yeah. and, and that is the other problem. We still have a property tax problem, and yet we're wasting time on whether or not we yeah, should April move 1st, the border. April 1st, we still might have one. <laughs> um. The other thing that we're going to be talking about this morning, unfortunately, uh, has to do with banning books. It hasn't gone away. As a matter of fact, we've seen a couple of big steps when it comes to banning books. CUNA Library um, has placed 25 books under their restricted access list. 25 books that you can no longer check out unless you have parental uh, permission, which I don't have a problem with that. 
What I do have a problem with is eight county commissioners have received a petition to completely dissolve the Meridian Library District. In other words, Meridian, you might want to pay attention well, to this because if you want to go to a library, I mean, you may soon have to go to either Boise, Nampa, or Caldwell. You've got to understand where they're coming from. I mean, reading is a dangerous thing because you can come up with ideas that you didn't know about. <laughs> and, and, so, and, and who needs that kind of pressure? Yeah, so those are some of the things that we'll be talking about once again this morning. Our phone lines, as usual, are open. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. I believe we have tickets to the Boise State UNLV game. I have to check it out because I was listening to Nate Shellman steal some of ours yesterday. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, accusing me of doing it all the time, which I can't remember the last time I stole anything from him. But, um, yeah, he stole one and gave away our tickets yesterday. So I, I think we have them. We'll find out. We also have a $50 gift certificate for uh, Bob's Restaurant in Nampa for our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible questions. Some of the things going on today. Like I said, phone lines are open. You can also email if you want to take part in the show. Time for our first check on what's going on with sports this morning. Brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Check out their menu, porkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. Boise State gutted out a tough victory last night over Colorado State on the road in Fort Collins. They got an 80-78 to victory. It was a pretty high-scoring affair and some clutch shots late from the free-throw line to get the job done. After the game, Coach Rice, pretty excited about the victory. You know, playing at altitude is real, and and you can't do it with five guys. You can't do it with six guys. You need a bunch. And I thought everybody, like you said, everybody that got on the floor and everybody that helped us, I mean, everybody in the program helped us win that game, and we needed every bit of it. We've had some really good nights, but they did their jobs. And Lucas had some big rebounds, big put back late, you know, that when they, they switched and, uh, you know, they put the big on shave and um, he missed the shot and Lucas got in there, got the rebound put back. And that was a huge play for us. So, again, the Broncos win 80-78. to uh, with that, we should also let you know that San Diego State gutted out a tough victory last night at Fresno State in a low-scoring affair, 45-43. to So here's what it does to the Mountain West standings. San Diego State is 12-2 and in conference. They are in first place, and they've won four in a row. Boise State is tied for second now at 10-3 and and 20-6 and overall. Utah State right now is in third place, followed by San Jose State. I'm Rick Worthington. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 623, good morning, and thanks for listening. Remember, you can always do more than listen. You can be a part of the show by calling us at 208-336-3700, toll-free 1-800-529-5264. You can also email us, Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com, or text us, uh, same as our main number. Uh, good morning, Brad. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. So, or, or as uh, Nate Shumlin would say, you don't care. Yeah, well, no, actually, I do, and you know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in regards to the Greater Idaho proposal, you need two-thirds majority of the states to agree to it. Currently, there are 22 Republican, completely Republican-controlled states in the Union. There's 18 completely Democratic states controlled in the Union, which means the remainder is mixed. So I don't see it ever happening. 
no party's going to turn around and, and potentially give the other party a, a another majority state. So I just don't but see it happening. This, but this wouldn't change anything because Oregon is already a huge majority Democrat. No. Which, if they left, and Idaho is already a huge majority well, Republican. But with the with the additional uh, population, though, Idaho might end up with another uh, seat in the House. More than likely, that's exactly. going to happen anyway. Well, because no, we're it, it, we're right at that. We almost made it in the last census, and we're approaching two million in the state. If we continue at the current yeah, growth, which somebody, last year, but somebody else has to shrink too. Right, and people are moving out of other states to come to Idaho. Most of our increase in population over the last year, which we were second behind Florida, uh, our population increased by 1.8%, and 88% of that growth is from, in, uh, what do you call it, uh, in-migration. So people from other states moving into Idaho, not more people being born than dying. Well... So I mean we're uh, we're going to be close. I would say within the next ten years, Idaho is probably going to get another house seat anyway. Well, that 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 that's more than likely a given. But uh, the potential of two Republican seats being added, it, I just as I said, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, you could be right. I I mean I don't I don't know the fact that we're talking about it still, and it's gotten to this point where both the Oregon legislature and the idaho legislature have resolutions to begin official discussions about it is way further than i ever thought this would get anyway oh, see i expected it to get this far yeah i did i didn't i didn't and even the 11 counties who have so mm-hmm. far voted to do it kind just, of uh, that kind of surprised me also i, I just got an, i got an instant message here it's not signed but it says i am strongly against merging part of oregon into idaho there's no way I'm going to drive all the way to Portland for my weed. <laughs> by, by the way, that is one of the reasons that the uh, sponsors of the resolution gave. It's like, we want that weed to be further away from Idaho. Um, they don't like the fact that well, you just have to drive the, across the state it'll to It'll be get the same weed. distance from Idaho. Idaho will just be at a different place. Well, except for the fact that some of the counties don't have... It'll be a lot further from Boise. Right, right. From from uh, population centers. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Brad. Appreciate it. You're welcome. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, once again, you want to email to get through, you can do that. Sometime this morning, we'll have tickets. The Boise State UNLV game, they'll be going for win number 21. Coming up, a rare Sunday game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you people have monday off it is president's day so you don't have to worry about going to work the next day uh so once again we'll have those tickets for you hopefully you can have a huge crowd like we had for the last home game they've had some good crowds this year um you can be a part of that listen in be ready to call to win your tickets sometime this morning ben shapiro this afternoon at one now back to mike casper and chris walton this is casper and chris live and local on news talk kboi 641, uh, the numbers are in. Got to see a really good Super Bowl. You got to uh, watch it all the way to the end because it was up in the air. It's not like it was over at halftime. How well did it do? Third most watched Super Bowl in history. Wow. Yeah, behind uh, number one. You know what number one was, don't you? 1982? 
the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Oh, no, that's not the one. I New England uh, Patriots game was number one. Yeah, the one that ended with... Four. One that ended with an inexplicable passing play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't see, don't bring that up. Uh, one hundred and fourteen million people watched that. One hundred thirteen million people watched the uh, Super Bowl. However, one thing that was kind of a little bit surprising, considering how much bad social media media publicity that there was, Rihanna is officially the most half watched halftime in history. Really, beating uh, Katy Perry's. Remember the two shark, left shark, right shark? Oh, yeah. That was uh, number one before at $114 million. So the Super Bowl averaged 113 million people. Rihanna had 118 million. Five more people tuned in at halftime. You mean five million? Five million more yeah. people tuned in at halftime than had watched the Super Bowl. So no matter what you thought about Rihanna and man social media for whatever reason didn't seem to like her a lot of people watched it now well, if if you look in the right places social media doesn't like anything yeah that's true too uh other uh football news for you it looks like the uh Los Angeles Chargers Idahoans will have uh, another reason to pay attention to the Los Angeles Chargers because pretty much the entire offense now has been turned over to former quarterbacks from Idaho Kellen Moore, as you already knew, part, mm-hmm. parted ways with uh, Dallas Cowboys less than a day later, had a new job as offensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. And Kellen Moore yesterday hired, hired former University of Idaho quarterback Doug Nuss- Nussmeyer to yeah. be the quarterback's coach. Well, I was going to guess it was Nussmeyer. Yeah. So now you have a former, former I, I don't know how this works, because um, University of Idaho and Boise State, especially in football, don't like each other, but apparently they can work together because... Oh, after you graduate, were, I mean, who cares, right? They were working together at Dallas. Um, Dallas had a very good offense um, during the time that the two were in charge of the offense in Dallas, and they're expecting that they could have an even better offense because Justin Herbert is considered a much better quarterback Better Dak skills Prescott. than Dak Prescott, and so they're they're expecting big things, and this will be something that basically the offense is turned over to Kellen Moore because the uh, head coach is a defensive coach and not an offensive coach, so he's not going to be over his shoulder going, "Really? Why'd you call? What, don't you're not going to call that, are you? Come on, man! Why'd you call a run when we should have been passing? Run the touchdown play again. <laughs> That's my favorite play." Uh, other news for you this morning having to do with sports. Uh, I will tell you that as a sponsor, Pork Belly has a new head chef. And it's somebody we all know and love, the head chef at Pork Belly in CUNA, Chef Wally. All right. So if you love the delicious food that he has cooked up for you, either with his food truck or his previous sandwich shop. Yes, to all of the above. Yeah. Um, you know he's making some changes, more changes to the menu. You want to check it out. It is official. He is now head chef at Pork Belly in Cuna. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Boise State men's basketball team. They found a way to win their 20th game of the season last night. They did it on the road at Colorado State in beating the Rams, but it wasn't easy. Bob Beeler with more on that this morning. The Broncos were down 10 in the first half, rallied to take a five-point lead at halftime, and then held on for an 80-78 to win over the Rams. Tyson Degenhart made 7 of 10 shots and led the team with 19 points in the win. This was huge, you know. Um, they're a great team, and they played really well tonight. They made a lot of shots, and, you know, I'm just proud of the grit of this team and how we stayed together through all the ebbs and flows of the game, and, you know, we just got to keep this thing going. 
Najee Smith had 17, and Marcus Shaver Jr. and Shibuzo Abo scored 15 each. The Broncos out-rebounded CSU 34-25 and made 12 of 14 free throws. They're now 10-3 and in the Mountain West. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Looking at the rest of the Mountain West last night, there was one other game, and it was a low-scoring game. San Diego State goes on the road to beat Fresno State, but just barely, 45-43 to the final score in that game. Uh, so what does that do to the standings? Well, San Diego State still in first place. They're at 12 and 2 in conference, 21 and 5 overall. Boise State and Nevada are tied for second place and they have identical records, 10 and 3 in the Mountain West, 20 and 6 overall. Utah State now in the next spot at 9 and 5 in the Mountain West. I'm Rick Worthington. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 21 degrees in downtown Boise. It is 7.07. Good morning. Thanks for listening in. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Phone lines are open, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, you can email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Uh, you can also text us, same as our main number. Um, Jim from Eagle writes in. This is on something we were talking about yesterday, um, about judges being lenient in people getting back out on the street quickly. Mm-hmm. And we talked with Nampa Sheriff yesterday, uh, or the Nampa Police Department Chief um, Joe Huff yesterday. Um, he's he's upset about, and specifically mentioned one person who had, uh, more than half a dozen times committed crimes over the last seven months and kept getting out and getting out. And the last time, after all these times and, and twice not showing up in court for his court hearings, got released on a $25 bond on the last time where he, after getting out, immediately stole the car and uh, ended up hitting someone. That person um, yeah. ended up not being hurt seriously, Whoops. but... Could have. Uh, Jim from Eagle writes in, when we go to the polls, we have an idea of how candidates for other offices think. We have a chance to see them in debate or at least heard them make speeches, pitching their ideas, explaining their political opinions, etc. When we vote for a judge, we know nothing about them. In fact, they usually run unopposed and without answering a single challenging question from a constituent, a reporter, or defending themselves and their ideas in debates. It's a total crapshoot. I usually Google them before, the, uh, before I vote. To you know, just to see if they've been in the news, and if they've stayed out of the news, yeah, I usually vote for them to you know be when retained. You, when you Google them, do they, does their record come up of how lenient they are? No, yeah, that, that's the problem. I mean, it's, it would just be mentions in in news stories, like in if newspapers, like they were the person who presided over whatever you know trial. Yeah, we have uh, probably about month and a half, somewhere around in there, a little over a month of the Idaho legislature. We've had uh, a lot of conversation um, in the legislature about health, uh, the bill to repeal faith healing exemption introduced this week. We've had health having to do with uh, gender dysphoria. We um, are now also starting to get more guidance on education. One of the big proposed bills um, this year is the education savings account. Mm-hmm. That is one thing that uh, this week is going to be more talked about. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be talking this morning. Senate Education Committee sent a $45 million education savings account bill to the Senate floor yesterday evening. 
The 6-3 to three vote came on after two days of public testimony on Senate Bill 1038, the plan to establish a universal education savings account program. Uh, Senate Bill 1038 would use $45 million of state money to establish individual $5,950 per child scholarships for families of uh, kindergarten through 12th grade students. That equates to about 80% of the amount allocated to public schools per student. The remaining 20% of funding would stay within the public school system. Now, parents, according to the bill, could put the funds toward approved education expenses, including private school tuition and fees, tutoring, counseling, supplies like uh, computers, high school or high-speed internet, etc. But the access to the funding, a student cannot be enrolled in a public school, according to the bill. One of the the more interesting things, because you've got pushback from both sides, people saying this will take decimate yeah. the public school take system. Take money away from public school. Senator Brian Liddy made a great point yesterday, because I, I had kind of go, you know, there, there's a point there. Um, his comment, education funding is meant for educating children, not for protecting a particular institution. During the presentation to the committee, Brian, uh, Brian Lenny went on to say, your local school may be great, but that doesn't mean it's the right fit for your child. An education savings account like this gives parents the opportunity to choose what is the best fit for their own children. So, I had never, I had never really even so thought about that. So, if they believe that the best fit is uh, a school where they get to pick and choose who the students are, and they're, you know, are, are nobody poor and very few minorities, that's what they should be able to do, right? Or homeschooling or a charter school. Yeah. They should be they should be allowed to do that. Okay. If that's what they want. I get his point. And I had, like mm-hmm. I said, I had never I had never thought about that. Education funding should go to educate your children. I see that point. I also see okay. the other point that you're worried about money not going enough money going that's gonna be siphoned away from public schools. Yeah. So this um, passed the Senate six to three vote. So once again, this isn't this wasn't an easy thing. This came after two days of testimony. This will be something that we'll be talking about this morning. Still haven't taken up uh, property taxes as right. of yet, but we got a mo- we got a month yet before yeah. they have to kick it down the road. Don't hold your breath. What part of don't hold your breath? Did you know? <laughs> I guess it was the don't. You also have the proposed bill to keep minors from obtaining harmful materials in Idaho schools that has been proposed. We had questions about that as of yesterday. Who gets to choose what is harmful materials? Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? Does that mean, you know, my big problem with this is why do, who gets to decide what my kid does and does not get a read? Why is somebody else's opinion more important than my opinion for my own child? Yeah. Good questions. Now, with that going on, we also have a couple of other things going on having to do with uh, banning books. A group of Ada County residents are calling for the dissolution of the Meridian Library District. The group, which calls itself Concerned Citizens of Meridian, filed a petition calling for Meridian Library District to be dissolved by Ada County Board of Commissioners. Concerned citizens say some of the books offered by the Library District are offensive and should not be available to children. 
If dissolution does occur, all of the library district's property and assets would be disposed of by Ada County Board of Commissioners. By the way, there are a couple of libraries that are in the process of being built brand new. That money would just disappear. So what would they do with the books? Just, you know, burn them? Maybe. Sell them off? Ada County Board of Commissioners is reviewing the petition and working with the clerk's office and prosecutor's office to make sure that the board follows the right steps according to Idaho Code. The petition will be presented to the board at its meeting tonight. Public hearing must then be held within three to six weeks. The board can then decide whether to put the dissolution on the ballot or not. In August, more than 100 people testified at the library board meeting. We talked about this last year. Uh, Concerned Citizens of Meridian was in attendance and accused the library staff of grooming children. (sighs) Yeah, because that's what they're all about. From May 2022 to November of 2022, residents sent in 10 requests to remove books from the Meridian Library. They gave reasons such as, I'm quoting here, swearing, sex, fictional characters being mad at their parents. Many questions whether the books were appropriate and suggested that the content matter be restricted to people over 21. So now they don't want to restrict it to adults. They want it over 21. You're considered an adult when you're 18. So if you're 20 years old, you can't check out a book without your parents' permission? I guess. Okay. (laughs) Once again, I have the same questions. Who gets to decide what is harmful to children? Does this group get to decide if it's harmful or not to children? I don't have an answer. I'm just throwing it out there. It would seem like perhaps they do. Email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. We'll uh, take some of your phone calls coming up after news at the bottom of the hour. Right now, though, time for another check on what's going on with sports. Brought to you by Pork Belly and Tuna. Hey, did you hear? They have a brand new head chef at Pork Belly and Tuna. You know him. You love him. You can't live without him. Making uh, increased changes to the menu right now. Chef Wally's the new chef. Get out today. Check it out. They've been open for 15 minutes. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Boise State gets a huge victory on the road last night. They grind it out, 80-78 to over the Colorado State Rams in Fort Collins. Now, this is a game that was back and forth. The Broncos needing to come from behind to get that victory, and they got it with some key shots at the end of the game, including free throws, and the Broncos get the victory. Coach Rice, after the game, says playing at altitude in Colorado is real, and he needed all his guys to get it done. If I can mix and match enough where you always have one or two of those scores out there, and then, you know, I think they, they I noticed this tonight, like I, I took Shave out in Mexico a little more aggressive. I took, you know, um, uh, Shave out, Tyson got more aggressive, you know, and so they, they, they're getting a better feel for that where, okay, you have different mix and matches in, in different lineups. Different guys have to be a little more aggressive, and, you know, we – I thought Coach Dre did a great job of calling some plays down the stretch that got the right guys those right shots. By the way, Tyson Degenhardt really led the way for the Broncos in the second half, scoring 17 of his game-high 19 points in the second half to come up with the victory 80-78 to Wednesday night in Fort Collins. Now, here's what we haven't told you yet, which is San Diego State went on the road last night and they grind out a victory as well against Fresno State in a low-scoring affair, 45-43. to The standing, San Diego State remains in first place at 12-2 in the Mountain West. Boise State and Nevada are tied for second at 10-3. They're also identical at 20-6 overall this season. I'm Rick Worthington. 
time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. Well, looking like the uh, stock market is uh, going to be opening up way down this morning, already down over 300 points on the Dow. All the indexes are down. And once again, more great news that is crappy news. Jeremiah Bates, welcome in again this morning. Man, when am I going to be able to deliver some uh, some good news, right? Well, you know, but bottom line is we've seen plenty of economic data, again, coming through this week that all point towards a resilient consumer, a strong underlying economy, and inflation still probably remaining sticky, which means the Federal Reserve will likely need to remain aggressive. Now, in the face of this economic data that's come through, whether it is in the form of, of retail sales and, and, and the things that have been released, um, markets have held up, but not today because we got the producer price index, which is a measure of inflation at the wholesale level before it reaches consumers. And it came in at a monthly increase of 0.7%. And that was up from the 0.4% that was expected by economists. So bottom line is the fight against inflation is going to remain ongoing. So it's not just the, pri- the, the producer price index. It's all that other data. And additionally, we had jobless claims released uh, for the previous week. And it shows that jobless claims for last week came in below then and, and then estimated as well. So... You have all these factors, all these signs that still point to people still have money, will likely spend it, and the likelihood of inflation sticking might be a little bit longer than anticipated, and markets are reacting to the downside, which to, I think this was more expected. I'm surprised that we didn't see more selling pressure happen in response to the, uh, to the data that we saw earlier in the week, right? But it just couldn't hold up, and we're seeing some selling pressure, at least in futures market. We'll see what pans out during the day, but we'll probably see more of this throughout the day. Well, we kind of saw the same thing yesterday. Um, it was down for most of the day, and then all of a sudden, it made a comeback late in the uh, trading day. So Late in the trading day. It yeah. was really bad. Like on the last like 30 minutes, the last hour of the trading day, we really saw that bump to finish in the green. But uh, as of right now, those gains uh, appear to be given back. But hey, we, right. I'll be hopefully not naively optimistic and we get a turnout like yesterday. <laughs> well, keep an eye on it. Hear from you next hour after the market opens up here in a few minutes. Looking like it's going to be opening up down across the board. And then uh, we'll talk to you uh, coming up tomorrow morning. Thanks, Jens. For your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. Every day we're getting an interesting little nugget on this, Ed. Good morning. We sure are. We've got another one for you now. CBS News has learned that intelligence officials had actually been tracking the Chinese spy balloon when it launched from Hainan Island off the South China coast last month. It then drifted towards Guam and Hawaii before making a northward turn towards Alaska. Officials say it's possible the balloon was just flown off, blown off its initial course by weather, but they insist the Chinese still had control of it as the balloon came south over the lower 48 states. As for the three objects shot down this weekend by those U.S. fighter jets, the strongest theory now from the intelligence community is that the objects are benign or just harmless research balloons. But there's still no word on the condition of the wreckage at those three sites. And in the case of the object shot down over Lake Huron, we now know two missiles were fired and the first one missed but landed in the water. It is so interesting to me about how slowly information is being leaked (laughs) uh, on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I have so many questions, more questions now. First of all, 
I, I don't have a problem shooting down the first balloon. We knew it was from China. It was flying over U.S. airspace. I think it should have been shot down sooner, sooner than it did. I have no problem with that. They keep referring to it as the Chinese spy balloon, but I don't think that's ever necessarily been established. Well, we say it is. China says, no, it's just a weather balloon. They are working on um, still getting the debris brought up from the ocean, and then once they get the debris, they have to put it back together, which should give them some guidance on exactly what it, what it is. Um, the one thing that, that just st- I have, still have questions with, if this is a benign civilian balloon used for research, if that truly were the case, these, bal- these balloons or unidentified flying non-balloons, whatever they were, were shot down five days over a week ago, the three of them. Yeah. There is not one company coming out, you would think, that you would have heard by somebody saying, saying, Hey, why'd you, you shoot shut our... down our expensive balloon, exactly. WTF. Exactly. Not which one stands company. For, which stands for, what's going on? One company has come forward and said, Hey, the United States, you illegally shot down our balloon. We had every right to be flying. Which leads to my other question. I get that these are unidentified. But if they are indeed benign balloons which nobody's come forward and said yeah that's our balloon we're missing a balloon you shot down mm-hmm. our very expensive balloon if they were benign balloons what are you doing shooting them down yeah again good good question every day we get some of this more information out and it just adds to more questions i don't have answers for it but it's like <laughs> i i'm I mean, if you're if you have a balloon, a balloon that now the even our own intelligence here in the United States said could have been just benign research balloons. Why are you shooting down balloons that were legally flying over the United States? I have no problem shooting down balloons that are illegally flying over the United States. Like the the first balloon, the Chinese balloon, shouldn't have been flying where it was. Whether it went off, course. Whether it was just a weather balloon, it should not have been flying over United States air, oh, airspace. Okay. Sounds reasonable. And I would say the same thing. China, if we flew a balloon over China, they'd be shooting ours down. Now, there are claims that the United States is now flying balloons over China. Guess what? China, if that's the case, the, by the way, the United States that is, is vehemently denied that. China, if that's the case, shoot down the balloons. It's your airspace. If the United States is flying Loons over China, go ahead, shoot them down. Mm-hmm. Then you'd also have proof that they exist. Yeah. So here's the question. Either we aren't flying balloons over China, right, if they're not shooting them down, or China doesn't have the technology to shoot our balloons down over oh, China. I'm thinking they do. That's what I, I, I think so, too. So why are they not shooting down the balloons? Because more than likely, they don't even exist. Your thoughts, 208-336-3700. I think it's because they're so polite. Right? Yeah, that's what it is. China is so polite. No, I don't think that. Okay. I was being sarcastic in case you couldn't hear that in my voice. Final check on sports. It's uh, brought to you by Pork Belly and Kin, the place to go for lunch every day. Don't forget to follow them on Facebook. Why? Because you get to take advantage of specials for those people who follow on Facebook. Check out their menu, porkbellyidaho.com, and then head there for lunch, breakfast, or brunch today. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Boise State men's basketball team, they found a way to win their 20th game of the season last night. 
They did it on the road at Colorado State in beating the Rams, but it wasn't easy. Bob Beeler with more on that this morning. The Broncos were down 10 in the first half, rallied to take a five-point lead at halftime, and then held on for an 80-78 to win over the Rams. Tyson Degenhart made 7 of 10 shots and led the team with 19 points in the win. This was huge, you know. Um, they're a great team, and they played really well tonight. They made a lot of shots, and, you know, I'm just proud of the grit of this team and how we stayed together through all the ebbs and flows of the game, and, you know, we just got to keep this game going. Najee Smith had 17, and Marcus Shaver Jr. and Shibuzo Abo scored 15 each. The Broncos out-rebounded CSU 34-25 and made 12 of 14 free throws. They're now 10-3 and in the Mountain West. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Looking at the rest of the Mountain West last night, there was one other game, and it was a low-scoring game. San Diego State goes on the road to beat Fresno State, but just barely, 45-43 to the final score in that game. Uh, so what does that do to the standings? Well, San Diego State still in first place. They're at 12 and 2 in conference, 21 and 5 overall. Boise State and Nevada are tied for second place and they have identical records, 10 and 3 in the Mountain West, 20 and 6 overall. Utah State now in the next spot at 9 and 5 in the Mountain West. I'm Rick Worthington. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 7.53, it's 21 degrees in downtown Boise. Continue to be cold this morning. Our phone lines are open at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless, toll-free 1-800-529-5264. Gary in uh, Nampa, you're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you. Yes, good morning. I don't think you can say those balloons were legally flying where they were. They were supposedly in an altitude that interfered with air traffic. And since they're unidentified, they obviously didn't flight plan. So uh, whether they're innocent balloons or not, they, they were a fair game to be shot down. I don't think anybody can claim... Oh, you shot down our legitimate research balloon. You're right about that. Uh, some of those were about you know twenty thousand feet, uh, thirty thousand feet, which is getting in the flight pl- path of uh, planes. Yeah, that's all I had. Okay, all right. I, you know, here's here's the thing. If they're benign balloons, you know, the, as a government, that's their term. They're benign balloons. Then, right. once again, if they're benign, that would mean that they didn't cause a hazard to flights. Mm-hmm. And I don't think balloons can file flight pan- plans. I, uh, I think they're at the no, whims think, of of what the wind I, blows them. Right. I think you're right about that. I don't think weather balloons have to. That's that's the whole thing with the government calling them benign. And once again, I have questions if they're benign, and maybe there were well, maybe the they were illegal, malignant. Right? Maybe they were illegal, and that's why you don't have a company coming forward and going, "Hey, you shut down our very expensive balloon. We want <laughs> money from the government." Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody nobody's come forward, which is a little bit strange. And but maybe they were not necessarily as benign as the government is saying that they are. I don't know. Like I said. Every day we get a little more information, and every day it causes me to have a little more questions. 
Jimmy writes in, uh, if it's a balloon, why not shoot the balloon instead of what it is carrying? Why a missile? Why not a machine gun? Hit the balloon, follow it down, retrieve it right away. They could have helicopters standing by. It would be controlled in over a minutes with minimal damage because it would come down slower, full of small holes. Jimmy, I can answer that because I had that same question and I looked it up because Sidewinder missile, over $400,000 is what it cost. And we fired two because we missed with the first one. Yeah. So it was almost a, a million dollars worth of missiles we fired at this thing. The reason why is apparently um, using a machine gun to riddle a balloon at high altitude doesn't cause it to come down. And we know this because Canada tried to do this uh, a while ago with a balloon over Canadian airspace, and they had one of their military jets fire over a thousand rounds mm-hmm. into the balloon, and it didn't bring it down. It still stayed up for four or five more days. That is odd. So, yeah, there it's just at high altitude. The helium still doesn't leak out fast enough to cause it to quickly or even slowly to come to come down because i had the same question it's like bullets are cheap compared to a one four hundred and fifty thousand dollar sidewinder missile right i had true and by the way i had no idea did you know sidewinders cost that much i did not i mean i figured they were expensive but good grief almost half a million dollars every time we fire one is this are these the missiles we're giving to ukraine to battle it's like 208-336-3700. 208-336-3700. See, I have more we, questions. We, we don't do, do very many things on the cheap. Yeah. Um, you can email us also, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 21 degrees in downtown Boise. I would like to uh, welcome and thank everyone who is listening for an extended amount of time for all of those who are caught in the eight-mile backup after that accident this morning on I-84. Thank you uh, for listening in. We appreciate the extra time uh, on your parking lot drive into work. We'll, we'll try not to frustrate you any more than you already are. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Uh, we are getting uh, emails uh, in this morning. Uh, this one, no name on this one, and I'm sure because they knew that they were going to get flamed. Uh, why are you still on this topic of balloons? We've got Satanists in our capital performing rituals in hopes it will help influence our legislature, allowing them to butcher and chemically castrate our children. We've got Pfizer still doing 50,000 PGS a month dump of documents telling us how they're killing our children, harming their reproductive abilities while you take their dollars to promote their shot. We've got government hearings. The list goes on and on, and you're not covering any of it. Dude, I don't come down to your work and slap the Big Mac out of your hands. I don't know why you think it's okay here, and I don't know why you think a five-minute, you listen for five minutes of our show and think that's our entire show. We've literally only talked about this five-minute. We've talked yeah. about a variety of subjects now, throughout the morning. To be fair, we, we rarely cover the fictitious subjects. There's a very good point, too. I, I, I would think that if there were actual Satanists burning people in effigy or you know what what you what you call it oh performing rituals at the capitol hoping that it will influence the legislature it's not working because it doesn't seem to be influencing them yeah 
Um, hey, but thank you for, uh, for the email. We appreciate it. You should call in sometime and uh, discuss and, something that you want to talk about instead of just complaining. And, about and, it. and by the way, as we've pointed out, uh, in, in this country, we do have freedom of religion. And yes, that's even if you are a Satan worshiper. Jimmy uh, writes in, Mike, at KBOI.com. Well, they are calling these uh, balloons when I thought that they were not balloons. And you believe the 50 cal can't bring a balloon down story? I'm not sure how factual that is. By small holes, I meant rather large holes as far as machine guns go, unless the balloons are somehow self-sealing. I would have to see it to believe it, but thanks for your input. I never heard of such a thing. I also add that if these balloons are so tough as that, why aren't they used for transporting people and goods? How do you know they're not? I will also tell you, um, number one, the reason that they were called not balloons before wasn't us calling them not balloons it was the general who was in charge of norad saying that he was specifically not calling them balloons mm-hmm. because that was on monday saying they didn't think said that we will call them something as soon as we know what they yeah. were so now they're starting to say they think even though they don't fit the general description of what a balloon is that they might be still considered balloons so that's that's changed after the last 4 days the as far as the other thing about why bullets wouldn't be used that's not me saying that i don't know because i had the same question as you said and and instead of saying i don't believe it i actually went and looked it up washington reports uh washington post reports you can't pop a giant balloon with gunfire at forty thousand feet you can fill a balloon full of bullet holes and it's going to stay at altitude that's according to david depolta a retired air force lieutenant general general and fighter pilot said the air pressure that high up doesn't allow helium to freely escape through holes brought on by gunfire, even if fighter jets flying at hundreds of miles per hour can riddle the near stationary balloon with bullets. And then I told you the story of how Canada figured this out the hard way when Canadian CF-18 fighter jet pilots caught up with a balloon off the coast of Newfoundland, took aim firing more than a 1,000 rounds of ammunition into that balloon, but the balloon survived the uh, assault and continued floating over the Atlantic where it finally crashed in Finland. So there's over a thousand rounds of bullets that were put into that balloon and it didn't bring it down. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this isn't me. I have the same questions as you, but I think I believe a fighter pilot and I believe Canada who you know said that they did this and it didn't work. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to wait 20 years and then just read the book. <laughs> Well, you might not be allowed to read that book, Chris, if the current That's climate right. of book banning continues. No, it's, it's fine. I'll buy it online. I, I won't try to get it to the reading library. <laughs> look, look it up on the internet because apparently you can still do that. 208 336 3700. We joke about that because of all the uh, news stories that came out yesterday. And we'll talk more about this this morning. 80 county commissioners received a petition to dissolve the Meridian Library District, which, if passes, means. All the books, all the buildings, all the property would have to be sold off. Cuna School District placed 25 books under restricted access yesterday after the Idaho legislatures, uh, legislators requested removal. And then, of course, there's the bill that is proposed to keep minors from obtaining harmful materials in Idaho schools and Idaho libraries. It's currently working its way through the legislature. Um, so that's kind of why the joke. So those are so some of the things we're going to be talking about. And we do have Idaho legislators coming in this morning that we're going to be talking 
to hopefully about that and also the ESA education savings account bill that passed the Senate late last night. I thought a Mexican friend of yours was coming in. <laughs> We're going to have ESA come in. You know? Senate Minority Leader um, Melissa Wintrow, District 19 of Boise, will be in with us again coming up here in about 20 minutes. Stick around for that. Uh, coming up here next, we have a chance for you to uh, pick up a $50 gift certificate once again to the uh, Bob's Restaurant in Nampa. We'll get to that with the Casper and Chris Damn Near Impossible Question right after Bronco Sports today. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 823, Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. Brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty for all and any real estate needs. Call today, 208-888-4128. Charlie is going to get first crack at it. Charlie, can I call you Charlie? Just kidding. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Our question today for you, uh, there is only one pro football team that has been playing pro football since the 1800s without taking a single season off. What is the team? Uh, like the Indianapolis Colts, the Baltimore Colts, whatever you call them. That's a, a good guess. Uh, nice try, but that's not it. Keep trying, okay? Good, good, good try, though. 208. Okay. 336 3700 Connie, $50 gift certificate to uh, Bob's Restaurant. If you can get our question, only one pro football team has been playing pro football since the 1800s without ever taking a single season off. Which team is it? Arizona Cardinals. Believe it or not. That's right. The Arizona Cardinals is right. Yes. Congratulations, they were, Connie. They were previously the St. Louis Cardinals, and before that, they were for years the Chicago Cardinals. Who knew? Connie did, obviously. Yeah, obviously, Connie did. That's how yeah. she won. Congratulations. Hang on the line. You got a $50 gift certificate to Bob's Restaurant in Nampa. Enjoy that. We still have another chance for you to win coming up tomorrow morning. For those of you who uh, didn't get through or maybe didn't win this morning, be listening tomorrow morning for your chance to win. Uh, coming up still on the way this morning, we have another pair of tickets to give away to the Boise State UNLV game, which is coming up on Sunday. Yes, a rare Sunday game. You're going to be live uh, with them at Expo or at Extra Mile Arena once again for Sunday's game. Stick around. We have a chance for you to win that coming up here before 10 o'clock. We'll take a break. News is coming up next. And then when we come back, as usual, during the uh, legislative session, we have the lawmakers that are making the laws or attempting to make the laws in to talk about all the latest news. And there's a lot of news. Busy, busy, busy week in the Idaho legislature. Coming up in just about 10 minutes, Senate Minority Leader, uh, Melissa Wintrow, District 19 of Boise, will uh, be with us coming up here. Stay tuned. Uh, if you have questions, go ahead and get them through. If you want to email us, Mike at KBOI.com or Chris at KBOI.com. News Talk KBOI covers the Idaho legislature, all of the issues, all of the debates. Today, we have Idaho State Senators joining Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 837, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper, and in the studio with us, for the first time in a little while, I'd like to welcome in Senator uh, Melissa Wintrow, District 19 in Boise, Senate Minority Leader, uh, member of the Senate Health and Welfare Committee, Senate Judiciary and Rules Committee, and member of the Senate Affairs Committee. Thanks uh, for coming in this morning. Great to see you again. Well, it's really it's really great to be on site. I, I just love seeing it. you. 
<laughs> we do exist. I love it. Um, in the limited amount of time that we have for uh, our legislator to come in, we always like to ask, you know, what are the important things to you? And uh, to you, you said, what's on the chopping block? Expand, and what do you mean by what's on the chopping block? Well, I appreciate the question because what's in, what's really on my mind really is kind of like one of those game shows we see on TV, the, the you know, chopped or on the chopping block. And I, what's really on the chopping block this uh, session are some pretty serious things. Number one, the initiative process and access to the ballot. We're, we're seeing that uh, probably next week or, the, um, or even late this week, um, the bill that's going to put it to the voters to vote on whether they want to remove their access for an initiative process. Why do some think it should be more difficult to get an initiative on the ballot? That's a great question. I'm well, not sure. Look, look at it this way. Look at the hundreds of initiatives we had just over the last 10 years that have been on the ballot. Well, let's let's look at that. Since 2013, there have been 20 attempts to get something on the ballot. Only three have gotten there. Two have passed Medicaid expansion and the education initiative. And the uh, if you recall, the horse racing initiative failed. And that was actually largely backed by millions of dollars of outside money. And it failed. So, I mean, this is another veiled attempt, I think, by our legislature to kind of pull the wool over people's eyes, say, hey, do you really want to have access to the the ballot? But the question they're using is the one that was ruled unconstitutional by our state Supreme Court because it was so onerous. And they said in the opinion, hey, if this is how you want to get rid of the initiative process, you should do this because they're requiring 6% 6% of every single district yeah. instead of 18 out of 35. Now, the purpose for that uh, bar is to make sure enough people are interested, and then every single Idahoan who's registered to vote gets to vote on it. So I, your question's a good one. <laughs> Why do they want to make it harder to vote? And it's not just the initiative process. It's access to the ballot. They want to get rid of absentee absentee well, voting. I mean, I think a majority of, of this legislature probably sees something like the expansion of Medicaid as a bad thing that people shouldn't have voted for, even though they did. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, the initiative process has a, an illustrious history. And actually, um, we, uh, there's, there's a couple intersections here of some policies with initiatives and homeowners exemption. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've had an initiative process for a long time. And every time the voters put something on there, it seems like the legislature's knee-jerk reaction is to make it tougher. And what's really interesting is we haven't talked about property tax relief yet. But the nexus with the initiative process is that was actually passed first in 1982 by the voters after complaining long and hard about the property taxes. So in 1982, they said, hey, let's put it on the ballot. And they actually passed the 50-50 homeowners exemption that we're messing with today. Mm. I find it a little bit interesting because you see the proponents of the bill saying, hey, every county should have a say in in doing this. And what is it right currently right now? You have to have 18 counties. 18 out of 35. Out of 35. My... my the flip side of that is if it, if you want to see a, ba- a bill fail, all you have to do is now is take all of your money and put it in one county like Clark County, who only right. has a thousand residents and probably only three to four hundred registered voters. Right. Concentrate on that one county. If that one county says no, the rest of the states doesn't get to do what they want. Well, exactly. That's what the Supreme Court said. You're actually creating a veto process with one county. And when we actually had the committee hearing, one man had a great idea. He said, hey, legislature, 
if you want to get something on the ballot, go through the hoops we have to go through and get all these signatures. <laughs> Don't just make it a simple vote in the legislature. I thought that was beautiful. If, if this does make it through, and I, I and I know I'm asking you for your opinion, if this does make it through and, and it does get under the ballot, do you think Idahoans would vote for this? Well, I think here's the tricky part of it, because the question really is the problem. You know, my, my colleagues are saying, hey, let the voters decide. Well, what question are they choosing? The most strict question and we know how that voters guide goes uh who writes the question and how confusing it is will matter yeah, if you want this to happen vote no we hear right. that yeah. <laughs> right right i mean we've seen that with abortion across the country and initiatives and and uh, all those things so you know i don't always trust how things are worded i mean we saw the governor have an advisory question on mm-hmm. the ballot last fall and it was a, it was a two-edged sword right it was hey are you glad we cut your taxes? And by the way, are you happy we put some money in education? What are you going to say? <laughs> yes. uh, no. <laughs> so what that, el- that's what I'm worried about. What else is uh, on the chopping block that you're worried about? Well, as I said, I think along with voting is uh, my colleagues are trying to get rid of absentee ballots. And so you'd have to have a good excuse to get an absentee ballot. And I don't know about you, but I got a lot of elderly folks that live in my district and probably all over the state. That's how they vote. You know, they're not, you know, somebody who's 90 has a hard time driving, isn't going down the polls. They want to vote in their home. So I don't know what my colleagues are thinking, but uh, I think, I think that's going to cut a lot of people out that would actually vote in their party. So I think they should rethink that. I think along with voting, they're trying to get away with um, basically limiting uh, student IDs. So you can't use a student ID. So we're going to have to make sure. Eliminating more younger people. Right. Right. And here's what I find ironic. So we're going to make it tougher for you to get a, a, a card to make sure you can vote. Um, and at the same time, the other thing that's on the chopping block is marriage, of all things, believe it or not. Did you know that? I did marriage, not marriage, know that. marriage licenses, yeah. Yeah. Okay, marriage license. Yeah. Okay. So one of my colleagues is uh, trying to pass a bill to get rid of marriage license. Is he from Sago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. Oh. I believe so. But here's the thing. You know, getting a marriage license, you go down to the county uh, recorder's office. Mm-hmm. I did it. My husband and I went down there. We proved who we are. We had an ID to verify mm-hmm. our identities. We signed an affidavit. Uh, uh, it, and basically, under penalty of perjury, swearing that we weren't previously married and that we weren't bl- blood relatives. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so this is just a small way for us as a government agency who does have a little bit of interest in this to help people with all the rest of the records when my dad died right right my mom had to claim social security well you got to prove you were married Mm -hmm. all those things i don't i don't think people are kind of realizing some of this so i think it's really odd that um we're going to take away the marriage license but on the same token the same senator passed a bill that would require me to show my birth certificate before i used a porta potty on a construction site did you know that yeah, mm-hmm. we, we so talked weird. about that one. Not so, having to provide, if you're a government contractor, right. restroom facilities for different sorts of right. people. But yeah. I asked him, I said, how do you even prove that? And do I have to take my birth certificate <laughs> on the site? And first of all, I think we've all been on construction sites. I don't think anybody's arguing or fighting to get in one of those no, porta potties to fight your yeah. gender. <laughs> That's how we were talking. It's like you're on a construction site. You just want to go wherever, whether it's a bush. And they're kind of unisex anyway. Yeah. Right? I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I think a lot of this is distraction to keep us away from the real things, which is, you know, funding our schools, making sure our kids are educated. Um, but instead, we're kind of chasing there's, our tails. There's only about a month left, and, and we're almost out of time here today. Yeah. Are, are you going to be able to bring up 
property taxes or not? I mean, or is this going to get kicked down the road again? Well, you know what? There's a few bills out there and, you know, how things go. People behind the scenes are battling their egos mm-hmm. and, you know, who gets what and so forth. But I think we just better listen to the voters on this and right. do the most simple thing, which is put the homeowner's exemption back where it should be, re-index it. It would be $225,000 today. I know that would make a difference in my property mm-hmm. taxes. And it would be actually meeting what the voters in 1982 said we should be doing. And we've been fighting about property taxes ever since. And the legislature continues, continues to ignore the voters. I, I think it's shameful. Senator Wintrow, uh, out of time. Once again, thank you for coming in. It was great to see you actually in person uh, after a couple of years. Oh I'm sure before the end of the session, we'll probably talk to you again. Great seeing you. I'd love to get a job here. <laughs> I, I think we're hiring. <laughs> KVOI News Time 846. Uh, hang on. When we come back, Republican Senator Ben Taves will be with us here on News Talk KBOI. News Talk KBOI covers the Idaho legislature, all of the issues, all of the debates. Today, we have Idaho State Senators joining Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 852, East Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper, and on the phone with us this morning, Republican Senator Ben Taves, District 4 in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, first term in the Senate, Vice Chair of the Senate Education Committee, a member of the Senate State Affairs Committee, and also the Senate Transportation Committee. Uh, welcome. Great to talk to you, uh, Senator. I want to start things off as a first-term senator. I always like to ask the first-termers, um, is there anything so far, you're, you're in a month, is there anything so far that has surprised you or um, that you've been pleasantly or either scarily surprised by in the Senate so far this year? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a whirlwind to start out. And I heard uh, over and over again people would say it was like drinking from a fire hydrant. I haven't quite felt like that. I felt like I uh, got my feet on the ground pretty quickly, but uh, it's it's a it's an interesting process. As far as what's surprised me, uh, I I think I had a pretty good idea of what I was getting into. I had watched a lot of sessions over the years and and uh, understood most of the process. Uh, it's interesting. There's there's so many uh, relationships um, and there's so many dynamics with so many different uh, new relationships being formed. That's probably the most interesting part to me. But I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of really good people that uh, that down at the Capitol, and uh, I'm I'm enjoying the process so far. Senator, uh, you are on the Senate Education Committee, so let's talk about some business that happened. Last night, uh, after lengthy two-day testimony, the uh, education savings account bill um, headed to the floor, and you ended up passing that bill last night. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and, and uh, there's there's a few of us that are really excited about that. I know that there's mixed feelings with, uh, with some others, but uh, I think it's uh, definitely a worthwhile piece of legislation, certainly uh, deserves uh, to be sent to the floor for debate and further uh, scrutiny. If you look across the country, there's, uh, there's states adding ESAs to their uh, education program in, in you know state after state after state. I mean, you look at Montana, Utah, Wyoming. There's there's a, just a constant increase in uh, this these programs that add more choice for students being added to, uh, you know, education systems 
that have, you know, everything from public to uh, charter schools. There's, there's a variety of different uh, education options out there, but the ESAs, I think, are a really important addition. The, uh, the School and Library Protection Act, what sorts of materials would be restricted, and has there been a problem with libraries in Idaho so far? We're shifting topics really quickly here on me. So that was all on uh, on my ESA track, but uh, I ha- I haven't actually uh, seen that bill yet. Uh, I think obviously there was one in the last session. I know that I know I've definitely seen materials. Uh, some of my uh, associates have have showed me different materials that I would say I wouldn't want in my kids' hands that they have pulled out of the schools or libraries in their areas. So, and then uh, even some of my constituents have, have brought books to me. So is there a problem? I, I have no question that there is a problem, that there's content that's not appropriate, especially I mean, when you put it out in the, in the general uh, kids area. Uh, I mean, you know, five, six year olds are going to have access to a material that, uh, that I think a lot of their parents wouldn't want them to. So I don't think it's a question of censorship, which is often how people uh, will, will kind of frame it, but it actually has more to do with making sure that parents have good discretion. So if you, if you wanted to put those books, you know, in, in the adult area and then the adults check them out for their kids, if that's their, their prerogative, I guess that's fine. We got about forty-five seconds uh, here left. Just want to touch one more time uh, on something else on the ESA uh, bill. What do you say to um, people that criticize it, saying that this is going to drain money from public schools um, when they are needing it most? What, what, what is your comment to that? Well, at first, I'd say we're we're making historic uh, investments in education. So, I mean, in the in the session last year, I know there was a, a large amount of money, and then the special session, there was 330 million more added, and uh, this ESA program is uh, looking at 45 million. The net gain, and there'd be a, a huge net gain going into the public system. Right. So I think using words like it's an existential threat is is just a little bit. It's, it's tough for me to hear because yeah. I think it's kind of just throwing fear out there. Senator, thank you for being with us. We're up on time here today. Great to talk to you. Uh, good luck in the rest thank of you. the Senate, and uh, congratulations on uh, winning your election. I'm sure we'll have another chance to talk. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700. Hound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. You also have uh, toll-free 1-800-529-5264 if you want to call us. Any one of those numbers. Our phone lines are open this hour. Don't forget, sometime before 10 o'clock, we'll have another chance for you to win uh, tickets to the Boise State UNLV game. Luckily, we still have tickets left over after Nate Shellman stole them <laughs> from us yesterday. We still... I had some hidden just because... I prefer the word purloined. <laughs> just because I don't trust that guy. Mm. I would suggest maybe you don't trust him either. Just kidding. He, I'm just glad somebody won them. Well, does wait, that sound better? To, to be fair, though, when he does give away the tickets, he actually has them. 
This is true. So, you know, feel yeah. free to trust him if you want to. Uh, we have a chance for you to win those tickets. Sunday game this week, rare Sunday game. Your chance to win here sometime within the next half an hour. Phone lines are open if you want to talk this morning. Uh, we also have emails, getting some of those emails in uh, this morning, specifically uh, about, you know, visits by uh, our legislators who were just in here. Um, this uh, email in, Mike at KBUI.com, says, Senator Wintrow is twisting things around. A 90-year-old would still be able to vote that way. They're trying to keep the people that should not be absentee voting from abusing the system. However, and I looked up this after, you know, because I couldn't remember off the top of my head um, about the specifics uh, of the bill that was, you know, brought up in Congress having to do with absentee uh, ballot voting. And a 90-year-old, if they're healthy, would not be allowed. The only way that a 90-year-old would be allowed to vote absentee is if they're in the hospital or have a sickness that a doctor specifically says that they cannot get out of the house to vote. Now, I don't particularly, you know, mind, and I know a lot of people say, hey, this gets rid of fraud even though the person who introduced the bill couldn't name any fraud that has happened in Idaho because of absentee ballot voting. I, I get it. Some people say, well, just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it might not happen in the future. However, if it, it, this is my opinion. However, that's not usually how we make laws. No, and this is my opinion, too. If you're going to pass this bill, and by the way, here, if it should pass, here are the people who would be allowed to vote absentee if this bill passes the legislature this year. People in these are this is it. This is the only people who would be allowed. People in active service in the military, people with an illness, disability, or hospitalization, an elector unable to be at the polls due to work or attending a university out of the area, or an elector out of the country on election day due to a religious mission. That's it. So if you're out of the country because you're on vacation. For an extended vacation, you would not be allowed to vote absentee. You would just not be allowed to vote that year. Or if you're working out of the country? Um, Is that in there? It says polls due to work. Okay. So I'm thinking if it was due to work and you were out of the country, you could probably, that would probably fit under that situation. Now, if you were going to pass this thing, okay. I mean, you're not, you're still allowing people to vote. But if you're going to pass this thing, you've got to fix the problem at some of the polls. You've got to fix the problem specifically in Canyon County where I waited two hours to vote at the last primary. And the reason I voted absentee in the general election last year because I waited two hours at the polls and I wasn't going to do that again. Which, by the way, some of the polls had even longer than two-hour waits in Canyon County. You've got to fix that or people won't have a chance to vote. the, The same people who want to get rid of the absentee voting system generally are the ones who also would like there to be fewer polling places. You just have... They think it really shouldn't count unless you put a lot of effort into it. And see, that's what I don't understand. Because voting shouldn't be easy. Why not? Who said that? What founding father of our country has ever said in the history of America that voting should not be easy? Now, there are rules that you should follow. You, You should be a U.S. citizen. You should not commit fraud. You should not vote more than once. You should be a registered. I, I get all that. Maybe that's what they're talking about when it's not easy, that you just not everybody can willy-nilly vote. But 
I think there are ways that well, there you are can still, still people, make it easy. There are still people who believe that you should, you know, own a certain amount of property before you get to vote, which uh, that's an idea they got rid of in the colonial times. I sure hope that that's not the feeling of some people still today. It is. I've, I've heard it proposed before. And I, I've also heard that... Like, you know, why would you vote if you didn't have any skin in the game? Everybody has skin in the game. Yeah. I've also heard the, you know... People proposing, it's like, you know, standing in line two hours to vote is a small price to pay for your freedom. Okay, but there are people that can't stand in line for two hours, number one, because physically, yeah. physically they can't do it. And they don't necessarily have a, a, a certificate from the government stating that. No. Um, you also have people that only have a small amount of time to vote. So they can't, they get an hour for lunch, for instance, I'll say a single mother gets an hour for lunch. You got to wait in line for two hours. You don't have time to vote. You get off at five o'clock. You have to pick up your kids from daycare by six o'clock. You got an hour to vote. You just don't have there. That would kick people out being allowed uh, to vote. So I don't, I don't understand getting rid of or making it so restrictive on absentee voting. If there were proof of, yeah. fraud, then I would say, all right, well, we, that thing we about, have some serious problems he, with he people voting just, six or seven times. He said it's just because uh, he, he, they, didn't want, they want to make it, they don't want people to abuse the process. What do you mean abuse the process? If, if you are going to be absent that day, you get an absentee ballot. That's the process. Yeah. Email or text I don't think in. you should have to prove that you've been shot. Text message in at 208 336 3700. No one is abusing the voting system. Utah votes by mail, and their voting is secure. This is a dog whistle by the GOP culture. Uh, everyone should have the opportunity to vote. Voting should be easy. Also Some people on, think it should be mandatory. Uh, another one goes on to say, and I don't have a problem with this either. We should have that day off when we vote, too. It should be a holiday. I agree. We shouldn't have to work that day. And since it's always a Tuesday, we should have Monday and Tuesday off. Uh, Joe, um, are you are, are you stuck on I-84 this morning in that traffic jam? Oh, heavens to Betsy, no. Thank God for you guys, because I was listening to KBOI, as I always do. God bless you. And I heard say, hey, there's a big pileup, and I was just in time to get off the highway just before it happened. Good job. But a bunch of my comrades who worked for an unnamed delivery company did get stuck in that on the way into work. Well, see, uh, listening to us does pay off, and I'm glad it paid off for you this morning. It would be a better company if they had a name. <laughs> well, I really shouldn't say because I'm on duty right now, but this voting thing just got me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a transplant last year from uh, the hideous California, and um, back when Hussein O was president, California, they don't require voter ID. I went to my polling place. And the guy asked me, who are you? And I looked down the list, and I saw my name, but I said, I'm this guy. And I pointed to my name. And he said, what? I said, you do not have the right to ask me for an ID. I'm this guy. And he called a supervisor. And in California, you cannot ask for ID. What? Same. The, 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 no, you can't. They cannot ask you for ID. You can claim to be anybody, and you can go to different precincts and point out a name and say, I'm that guy. And I did that. I, I, I didn't go to, to multiple precincts because, you know, I'm not a Democrat. And to be fair, uh, you, you, you were pointing to your own name. I did. I pointed to my very own name. Um, it was right between, below my two sons' names and, my, and just above my wife's name. 
So I pointed to my name. I said, that's me. And there was some hoo-ha, some haranguing, but I went ahead to vote. In California, they almost mandated um, during, during the fraudulent election that put um, Biden in office, they all but mandated absentee vote, voting. Well, you can't go to the polls because you might kill people with the Rona. And it was absolute stupidity and foolishness. And when you've got a state with 33 million people and five minutes after the ballots close, they call it for, uh, for the current uh, president, then there's an issue. There's a huge issue. I agree that there should be a national holiday for voting. And I like what the Idaho legislature is saying about absentee ballots. The, you should have very specific reasons for not being able to go and vote. Very specific. But you should have to have ID. I've got to have ID to, to fish here in this wonderful state. I've got to have ID to buy alcohol. I've got to have ID for everything. Yeah. But in California, no, I agree. No. Well, Joe, thank you for your uh, thoughts. Appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on using uh, KBOI to uh, make it so that you get to work on time this morning. Appreciate the call. You guys are the best station in the area. Absolutely love it. And I love listening to your commentaries. You, you gentlemen are just incredible people, and it's a pleasure. For, for the record, by the way, I do know several Democrats who only vote once per election. <laughs> <laughs> even, even in California? Voted both, I sadly knew several in California who voted multiple times <laughs> and were proud of it. Wow. I don't know that many people in California. Uh, I know a lot of people from right. California, but yeah, they all live here. It's like they've moved here. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Appreciate Have it. Going, yeah, appreciate Bye-bye. it, Joe. Uh, 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a break. It is 916. If you want to get through, we do have phone lines open right now. You can also email chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Email uh, in says, once again, the people that need to absentee vote can use it. If you're 90 and can get up and vote, then go for it. If voting is that important to you, then you need to adjust your life once a year and do what you need to do. If you have to call a taxi or Uber to get there, then so be it. Um, once again, I'm not giving my opinion on this. This is from the Idaho House State Affairs Committee. Everyone who wants to use it would not be allowed to use it. Should it pass, the only people eligible for an absentee ballot would be people in active service in the military, people with an illness, disability, or hospitalization, uh, an elector unable to be at the polls due to work or attending a university or out of the country on an election day due to a religious mission. If you're out of the country due to a vacation, you wouldn't be allowed to have an absentee ballot. Um, now, there, there is, and, and Bob, you're, you're calling on this this morning, um, there are other ways to vote than just the day of the election, and you were calling to remind us that, right? Absolutely. Everybody's got to remember that. And I don't know the exact amount of time. There's like two weeks of early voting that you can take the time, and it's a very short, easy trip to go in and early vote. It's easy. But my other question is, have you guys ever worked a polling place? No. I've done it multiple years. I've done multiple of the different jobs there. And... Everybody calls and says, oh, you don't have to have an ID. You don't have to have this. 
you technically don't, but if you don't have an ID, you must sign an affidavit with lots of information, lots of personal information on it, under perjury of law, that you are who you say you are. And in Idaho, I don't know about California or whatever they're going to call those guys over there, because they obviously don't follow the rules, but in Idaho, it's very hard to vote fraudulent. So the the problem that we're trying to solve right now is more or less a hypothetical one? But the, the, the Well, I don't know if it's hypothetical, but as far as the early voting goes or the, uh, the absentee ballot goes, I, I don't see a problem limiting it. It limits the amount of work that the people at the polling place or at the poll counting places have to do because you can do all, most people who want it have that time before to go to early voting. If you're going to go on vacation or you're a single mother and you've only got an hour lunch, you can take that hour lunch and you can go do that an hour before well, that day. Or maybe you can yeah, do it on your before day Before that day you before. can, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Before that there day. Are, there are options. People are lazy. That's the problem. They want the easy route. They want quick, easy, in my hand, on my phone, easy. They don't want to. They don't want to have to go stand in line for two hours. Ooh. They don't want to have to go phone? in early. They don't want to have to do any of that stuff. Phone they voting. They want to easy in their hand, easy. Phone voting, Bob. You just brought that up. That's that's a great. No, I'm kidding. Thank you for the call, Bob. Uh, yeah, 15 uh, to 30 days, depending on which county you are uh, in for early voting. So that is that is another availability. Yeah. Kenny and Meridian, good morning. You're on News Talk KBY. Good morning, gentlemen. What a beautiful day. The sunshine, a little bit warm. How are you? You don't care. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I don't care. I do care. No, I... Uh, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, you know, early voting. I went did early voting down here in Meridian, um, and that was easy. I was in and out in 15 minutes, maybe, maybe less. Now, the way to be able to do this on this absentee ballot, couldn't they put their driver's license number on there? Wouldn't that be a way to confirming that ID? Because your driver's license has to match you. Or your state ID, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I agree with all the absentee ballots, like you said, military or, you know, religious beliefs and things like that. I agree with with that. And the limitations, I don't think they should take that away. Thank you for the call, Kenny. Good thoughts. Appreciate it. Jim and Meridian. You're on News Talk KBY. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I just have a thought on this uh, not having enough time and on early voting. Personally, I don't believe in the early voting part, but it's the fact that it's there. My thought is is we should have a 24-hour voting time period nationwide, and whatever time the polls open in the East Coast – Every other poll would open one hour down the line. So if they opened at noon 
uh, in New York, and we had open our polls at 9 o'clock. That way, everything opens at the same time, everything closes at the same time, and if you don't have time to vote at 6 o'clock because you can't get your kids picked up, then you can go at midnight, go at 2 in the morning, go at whatever. I like that idea. Also, it would, it would also give people that work night shifts a chance to vote mm-hmm. uh, if they change shifts at 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, what would you do with absentee voting? You'd just get rid of it in I, favor I, of this? No, I, I, like, I like the bill the way it is. I like the bill the way it is. I just leave that in place. All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it, Jim. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you're on the line, stay right where you're at. We'll get to you next. We do have a couple lines open if you want to get through right now. Um, we'll take a break. News coming up here next. More of your comments and input coming up. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-three. Dow is down two hundred and four points. However, they uh, starting to buy back. So who knows what's going to happen by the end of the day? Because it was down over three hundred points earlier this morning. Phone lines open two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Stick around. Still on the way within the next twenty minutes. We will have a pair of tickets to go watch the Boise State game coming up this Sunday night. Rare Sunday night game taking on UNLV as they try to keep their win streak and try to maintain their place in second place. Who knows? By then, they could be playing for first place, depending on what San Diego State and what happens to them over uh, this week. But uh, you have a chance to be there. Keep listening in. Your chance to win coming up here shortly. Lee of Eagle writes in and says, I vote absentee. I had spinal surgery two years ago and can't stand for a while. I exercise daily, walk five miles daily, but standing really hurts. It's like a hot needle in your back. If I have to wait two hours to vote, I won't go to the polls, and I always vote. It's another question, Gilly. You know, you you know, based on what your description is, have a medical condition that would allow you to vote absentee. If, like I said, they take your word for it. Is this something that if you have a medical condition that you can't get out and vote, do you have to have a letter from a doctor? Or can you say, no, I can't stand for a long period uh, of time? Yet to be determined, I guess. Uh, Mary writes in and says, here's the legislature again working on legislation for problems that are not critical or life-changing, at least not until they change things. Uh, No name on this email. It says, once and has to are two different things. You should not be out of the country if you want to vote. Well, he's saying, uh, you know, if you're out of the country for vacation, uh, you should move your vacation around because you should want to vote and not want to be on vacation. Another email, uh, Mike at KBY.com, says that early voting allows for counting the ballots early so you can discover how many fraudulent votes you need to catch up on and win. And and an affidavit at the polling place is never verified. It's a joke. Name one time they were ever investigated. You pick a name, say it, you vote, vote under someone else's name. How do you uh, find a liar at the end of the election? I... The, the, as far as counting early votes, I don't know of any state that counts 
or, or announces what the vote count is before the election. Most states, a lot of states, with early voting, don't even count the early voting votes until after they've counted all the election day votes. So they count election day votes, and once those are done, and that's why you know you look at what happened in Arizona, why it yeah. takes so long in some of those states. It's like because they haven't counted the early votes yet; they don't count them until the election is completely over. And part of the reason may be exactly what you're complaining about. They don't want people to know the early voting to know because, and I'm not talking because of fraud. I'm talking it would discourage people from going out to vote if they go, oh crap, the people I want to vote for have such a big lead or are so far behind, my vote's not going to count, so there's no reason for me to go to the polls. I think that's a specific reason why most states, and it may be all states, don't announce the vote count of early voting until after the election is finished. Billy C. says voter suppression is the goal for restricting absentee voting. Since DeJoy became postmaster general, absentee suppression is already working. I guess if the letter never shows up. Sean and Wilder, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Yeah, I hear a lot of these people calling in with disabilities or whatever, but I know out here in Homedale, when I voted this last time, uh, anybody with any type of disabilities or elderly people or whatever, they were allowed to go right basically to the front of the line and bypass everybody else. So I don't, I don't see how they're saying they got to stand up for two hours or whatever because they don't. Because well, I'm not sure all the other polling places, but I at least know where I went because anybody that walked up there that was fairly elderly or disabilities went basically right inside and was allowed to vote and was gone in 20 minutes or so. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, I'm a, not saying that happened. I can only uh, account for my polling place and a few other places in Canyon County. And Canyon County is is a little bit different than other counties. For instance, all of Canyon County's we we talked to uh Canyon County commissioners about this. Um they all have voting machines where they only have like 10 voting machines. So you have to wait until a voting machine becomes clear before you can vote. In places, and I don't know what Wilder is like, but here in Ada County where I voted for, for before, you would just go in and fill out piece of paper, do your votes on a piece of paper and hand it in. Well, that's not true of Canyon County. And part of the reason why it takes so long in the precinct that I voted in in the primary, it was a two-hour wait last year. And that was well, the, yeah, the they, specific reason. People, they didn't They didn't allow anybody with any disabilities to go straight to the front? There was nobody out there saying, hey, you can come on in to straight to the front. There was just a line. And you well, stood, I'm, you sure stood in, some, I'm sure if it was an elderly, elderly person or whatever, I'm sure the people standing in line wouldn't wouldn't care, really. I mean, <laughs> they ain't going to tell them, no, you got to go wait back yeah, there with everybody you know, else that can stand there. You'd like, you'd like to hope to think so, but maybe somebody standing in line for an hour and 45 minutes already is going like, well, wait, I don't want to have a bunch of people jumping in front of me. I've already been here for an hour and 45 minutes. i got things to do. Yeah, but how many elderly people actually, you know, you're going to let, what, one or two? In your two hours, who, maybe three. Who, who knows? I don't. I, I don't know. It depends. It depends on how know, many. I was out there for an hour and up. a half, and there was three of them that came up in, in out here in Homedale where I had to vote, and every all three of them basically got to go right in, and it was warm, and went right to the front of the line and was allowed to vote. So I don't. <laughs> I mean, a good person isn't going to stand out there and say, "Oh, that old man got to go in front of me." No. Yeah. I. <laughs> I agree with you there. You probably, I know it wouldn't be nice thing to do, but I don't, 
I've I've seen I've seen ugly people before and say no, you're not cutting in front of me. I mean, everybody wants to say, oh, they loud. Uh, like I said, at least it was like that out of where where we vote in Homedale, I guess. Well, home, uh, Homedale Wilder, Wilder area, area is a little bit nicer. Yeah, there's a lot of nice people out there. I have family that live out there, so I can say that. Um, there's a lot of nice people out there. So yeah, I get it. Thank you for the call, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you, bye. Let's see. Um, Oh, uh, this is on a different subject, but I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, Jim says, uh, ho-hum, another mass shooting yesterday, and that was, I guess, in El Paso. A Texas shooting. One person was killed and three were wounded in a shooting at an El Paso mall Wednesday, steps away from the Walmart, where an attacker killed 23 people in 2019. Of course, uh, of no action, no law or restriction, will bring gun deaths down to zero, but they could save lives by cutting the number of senseless killings. Please notice that the murder rate in Denmark uh, per million people is 8.51. That's ranked 104th versus the U.S. rate of 42.01 per million, which is ranked ninth. Fewer assault guns and magazines mean fewer deaths. That's, that's Jim. That, yeah, was, that, was more of a, that was more of a subject from the last two days. Yeah, El Paso really needs to do something with laws... Um, again, you know, making murder illegal. They they really need to pass some legislation uh, making attempted murder illegal, it's, making it, it shooting is, people illegal. It, it is silly they haven't done that yet. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy that they don't do that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Got some emails to get to. Um, this email says, Mike, I don't believe everyone should vote. Too many ignorant people out there. I believe one should have responsible voters. That rules out the youth, and I think we should whittle it down even more. I don't think one should be able to vote till the age of 35. At that age, you have some life experience. Also, on the head of the household, in that way, you have someone that is responsible. Only the head of the household, and only after 35 is what this person believes. Mm. Everybody else should not be allowed to vote. Okay. Is there certain nationalities that should be allowed to vote or not? Or is that open to everybody? That seems a little ridiculous. I mean, you know, good luck passing the IQ test. The uh, Archie Nemesis writes in, I want stability, consistency, of ru- and rule of law. That's what I want. Casper and Chris, you have a fine day. Thank you, Archie ne- Nemesis. We haven't heard from him in a while. And you said he wants stability, mm-hmm. rule of law, and what else? Good question. I just erased oh, it okay, after sorry. I got done reading. Anyway, those were the main points. Uh, another no name on this one says, I think Election Day should be a holiday. You should have to vote in person. Show your valid ID. Have your picture and fingerprint taken at the time you vote. Part of the voter registration should include a fingerprint and photo. I have to show my ID and prove I'm a veteran every year to pick up my discounted ski pass. Hello, I was a veteran last year, this year, and I will be a veteran next year. My veteran status never changes. But yet I have to prove it every single year. Another subject from Susan of CUNA. Text message. Excuse me. In reference to the Meridian Library District news story, this one uh, more is one more example of short-sighted thinking. This would not help in restricting these books to children who want to read these things. You can go to any bookstore and read everything that is there without no one looking over your shoulder. 
I'm not sure if there are age limits for purchasing books that may have this content or going to a different library. You can't check them out, but you can sit and read them or even going to a friend's house that may have these books. We need libraries as it's a great program where we can access books and other things to educate and entertain us. There is no need to cancel a whole library district. If a parent doesn't want their children reading the book, I suggest those parents get involved in those children's lives and stay out of mine. Um, Susan, I, I hate to say so. I know what, I don't hate to say so. I agree. I, I what, agree with you. Why? What is this bookstore of which you speak? <laughs> I, I, why? Why does the right of your child, you not wanting your child to read something, overcome my right of my child being okay with my child wanting to read something? I, I just don't understand if getting rid of an entire library district where they would have to sell off everything, books, buildings, property, properties that are currently being built, by the way. There's a new library being built. So if this, if this were to pass, guess what? All that money just goes right up in smoke. It's gone. I do know several people who don't think that libraries or education are necessary because, well, I mean, as long as I've known them, they've been pretty sure they know everything. School libraries, with what CUNA has done, I have a little less problem than that when, when you're talking school-age kids. Now, getting rid of the books completely, I have a huge problem with. Saying, we don't want these books even available for any of the kids that are going to this school. BS. Because once again, you're making a determination for my kids based on what your biases are. Yeah. Now, if you want to make it, this is, once again, my personal opinion. If you want to make it so that schools still have these books and you have to have the permission of these limited number of books from a parent before they're allowed to check it out, okay. Written permission, check out the what the uh, the kite flyer or whatever that book is, award-winning book that's one of them that's being... Kite runner. Kite runner, sorry. Kite runner. It's already been turned into a movie um, that your kids can see on any streaming service, mm-hmm. but you don't want them to check it out um, perfectly fine. 208-336-3700. Need to take a break. We'll get to your phone calls coming up. It's 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Just a few more minutes left in our uh, segment here this morning. Try to get to our phone calls here as quick as possible. Uh, not a lot of time, so make it quick. Jim and Eagle, good morning. You're okay, on News Talk KBOI. You want to make elections consequential, then this is what you do. You you have to you you eliminate payroll tax deductions. You move. You have to pay all your taxes in cash on the second Monday of November, and you have to vote second November and the second Tuesday in November. You will see a change in the political uh, landscape really quick if you did that. Hmm. That's an interesting take Think about that. If you had to pay your taxes on one day and vote the next, and you had to pay your all your taxes in cash out of your and feel the pain, you would be voting differently. I guarantee it. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Tom and Emmett, good morning. You're on News Talk KBY. Hey, I think this library issue goes back to this train of thought that we uh, just tear everything down that's been put together over the years and we'll just build it back so much better. It kind of goes along with the line of let's go ahead and change Social Security. We could come up with something better. And it goes back to let's get rid of old 
rid of Obamacare, rip it out by the wrist because we can build something better, but nobody's building anything better, but they're really good at trying to rip things out by the roots. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it, Tom. Mark in Nampa. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hi, guys. Did you say Mark? Yes. Okay. Uh, real quickly, about our voting system, um, this last election was a great example of how our liberal media twists things off the main focus. So the main question about absentee ballot, uh, about mail-in ballot, about drop boxes is, is it possible to defraud the system? If it is possible, then we have to make a change so that it's impossible. And the liberal media just made it all about Trump said it was defraud, uh, it was fraudulent and all this other stuff. That's not what it's about. And the conservative media fell for it. I never heard anyone calling for ensuring that it was impossible to defraud the elections. Hmm. How would you make it impossible? Well, I don't think you have time for that in this phone call. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about ballot harvesting and about that Ben Stein made a whole feature-length presentation based on CCTV footage showing people defrauding the drop boxes. I don't remember the name of it offhand, but you can find that real easily if you want to look it up. Was Ben Stein? Yeah, Ben Stein. Okay. He's done some other things like Hillary's America and stuff like that. Ferris Bueller's Day He did a whole thing, and this was on CCTV footage, showing people going from box to box to box and dropping in large quantities. And we know that mail-in ballots can be defrauded because people can buy them or pick them up. And so there are ways that it can be defrauded. It's not whether it was defrauded. I mean, at the time it should have been. But it's no longer whether it was defrauded. It's whether it can be, and if it can be, it must be changed so that it cannot be. All right. Thank you for the call, Mark. Thanks, guys. Um, email Mike at KBOI.com. Why is nobody mentioning the Internet? If a kid wants to see something, a book would be pretty boring in comparison. We have mentioned the Internet um, numerous times. I, I don't think we've mentioned it this morning, but, yeah, I, I would be interested to see the parents – if they are following their kid around to know what they are actually looking for uh, or looking up on the Internet, on their phones, um, because you're right, it would be bearing, uh, boring considering what the books are out there. Thanks for the phone calls and emails. Um, we're going to be on a 20-hour break. Before we leave, I've got tickets to the BSU-UNLV game Sunday night. Caller number six. Those tickets are yours now, 